It is time, time, time. Kick it. Welcome to the feed. Good afternoon. Edmonton may be the capital of Alberta, but it is also the capital of something else. Music. Edmonton has the most vibrant local music scene out of anywhere in Western Canada. I'm Graham along with Owen today and we will be your hosts for this local music edition of The Feed. We've had a lot of famous artists start their music careers in Edmonton. Katie Lang, Mac DeMarco, July Talk, and most recently Ruth B are all Edmontonians. All these artists started they may be they may be the bigger Edmonton names. They're not the only ones. We have the new music nooner on NR92, a special where we find new local acts and we play their music. I even went to a local show last night. Kayla Patrick had her EP release. Hill and the MNKD were the openers for her. It was a blast. Oh yeah, man. I remember seeing the M- M- MNKD a little while before. They put on a fantastic show. I wish I could have gone last night. All musicians, though, have to start somewhere. Their basement with an old guitar or jamming in a friend's garage, but many artists and singers start in a choir. Reese checked in on that. Yeah, so I got the chance to interview Marina Fitzgerald, a member of the Edmonton Youth Choir, about what it's like to sing in a choir with, surrounded by people and a community. So to kick things off, I asked her to give a brief overview of being a part of the Edmonton Youth Choir. My choir is the Edmonton Youth Choir. So the age range is 15 to 25 years old of age people can join you can doesn't matter like your level of like choir experience doesn't have to be very extensive like when our choir director like when you're wanting to join like our choir director he'll like introduce himself and you kind of go through like um uh, kind of like an audition but like he just kind of wants to figure out like where your vocal range is at and like your level of like sight reading and stuff so you don't have to be like an expert or like really even that good at like reading music you just kind of have to like you know be able to sing essentially and then it just kind of goes from there like you just there's for the higher voices it usually goes soprano one and two and then alto one and two and then we have the tenors which is like a higher range for male voices and then like baritones are like middle and then bass is like the lowest voice essentially uh usually in a choir season so choir season will go from september to usually june and then so like during that full year depending on the year we'll do we have one a fall concert in october and then we have our winter concert and then we will usually do like since i'm in the youth choir we'll usually do um like two uh concerts because we have so in like the edmonton youth choir like family there's actually a bunch of younger choirs so there's there's like the primary choir which is like really little kids like up to like i think seven or eight years old and then there's the junior choir which is kind of like younger kids so like like i don't know like eight to like 12 and then we have the children's choir which is like 12 to 14 and then the youth choir so we do one concert with all of our choirs in may and then we have just a choir for the youth choir like later in may and then i was wondering what drew her to sing with the edmonton youth choir um i guess like it's kind of just being in like it's like kind of a really nice like community setting like the choral community in edmonton is like pretty vast and like everyone in a way kind of knows each other like once you're kind of in the choir community you kind of like learn to know people's names and like people start becoming more familiar and like 
it's very like it's tight knit, but it's also very like welcoming and open. And it's just like if you really love singing, like you'll have no trouble like being able to find a choir that's really like right for you in a sense. Because I guess there's different choirs in Edmonton, but like I guess what drew me to Edmonton Youth Choir was kind of just I guess I don't know. Like I really enjoy singing like choral like music. I know there's like other choirs that sing more like like African styles or like contemporary. Yeah. And of course, I ask, does she see herself staying with the choir for the foreseeable future? I'm hoping until my choir, hopefully until my choir director's like, you're too old, you have to leave. <laughs> so there you have it. It's just, an, Edmonton choirs, not many people think about it when they think of local music, but I think it's really cool and a really inclusive activity. Yeah, it's a nice little option there. I used to take choir, actually, as a six-year-old. So that was pretty good. Some people love choir. I didn't. That's why I didn't do that. I only did it for about a year. And the natural evolution from choir is gospel music. So Rashmi, you took a look at that. Yes, Graham, I did. Uh, Hi, everyone. Um, Music stirs souls. At least it stirs mine. There is another kind of music that quite does the work, too. I'm talking about gospel music. I interviewed some professionally trained singers in the city who have chosen gospel music over all other pleasures in life. Let's listen to what they have to say. I lift my hands in total grace to Music, as they say, is the perfect language of love. It breaks barriers and joins them too. And gospel music just goes a step further and connects these barriers in a soulful way. Essentially an American religious musical form, gospel music owes much of its origin to the Christian conversion of West African slaves, who mostly sang these songs while working on plantations. But today, gospel music has acquired the form of soul jazz and rock. I spoke to some of these gospel singers who are professionally trained singers but continue to sing in their churches all for the love of God. My name is Audrey French. When I was about, I would say 13 or 14, I found out I did really have a love for it and kind of wanted to take it to the next level. My parents and my family are very, very musical. My dad has had a gospel choir, which I grew up listening to every single week together all the time. I've had different crazy worship groups. Personally, actually, I've gone international to do a couple of performances. I've done a lot of gospel concerts here in the city. I've been to a toy at the Windsor Center, so I have had great experiences, great exposure in the gospel singing, but I would say I started off because my parents, my family, my roots are very set in gospel music. My dad used to be a professional singer. He used to travel around with this black history group doing gospel singing, and so I was always very involved and very exposed to gospel music and gospel culture. I then spoke to Emmanuel Ogbeche, who started singing hymns even before he learned to walk. Well, um, having grown up in the church, music was always um, part of worship and um, part of the family. My immediate older sister was um, in the choir. Um, I, actually, I started singing at about um, the age of eight in the church and um, progressed up till I was about... Um, 11 
when I had to go to school. Um, as to if I have ever thought of um, pursuing a music career, I, outside God's realm, I wouldn't say yes. Probably, <laughs> I could be thinking of that now. However, Anurag Massey tells me that being a full-time gospel singer may not be all that easy after all. It's difficult to survive as a full-time musician or as a gospel singer. I just want to do it or dedicate it myself as a, something, a sort of a part-time work. I want to have my own home studio where I can, where I can make my own music and try to arrange more albums if I can and help other musicians also in the, their journey. And we could not have ended this segment without having having at least one of them sing for us. So here's Audrey for you. This has been so inspiring for me. If I'm not doing my practicum this summer, I am certainly taking some music lessons. Thanks, Rashmi. I don't know. I think gospel is a very unique sounding sounding music. It definitely lifts your spirits up a little bit every time you hear it. But, you know, you usually find a group that you like and you listen to music on your own time, but you never really pay attention to how the music came to be and the people behind it. Almost all artists have a record label behind them, even some of our local groups. Stefan, you went to and talked to a local record company, right? That's right, yeah. And actually, a growing trend for local bands looking to put out an album these days in Edmonton is cassette tapes. Yes, those 80s beauties are coming back. I spoke with a pillar of the local arts community about his newly formed label. My name is Craig Martell. Um, I run Double Lunch Records, Double Lunch Productions. Put on a lot of shows and I book a, for a lot of rooms and hoping to expand the services to include everything that could possibly do to, with music. Martell is the former owner of Wonderbar, a hub for local music before shutting its doors in 2015. But he's remained central to the scene by promoting shows and recently starting his own tape label. I think I had the idea last April. I decided to start trying to execute it. My first physical release came out in early December, and I have four out now uh, with plans for nine more by end of summer. With this growing roster of bands, the obvious question is why tapes and not CDs or records? I, I like tapes as a medium. As a, as a consumer, I realize that for me to buy a vinyl record, I have to genuinely like the band a lot. For me as a consumer to buy a tape, I'll buy most tapes because it's five bucks. It's like it's the least that money can be without being laundry money. But Martel's affection for tapes doesn't mean they're quite mainstream yet. I still see people who go to a lot of shows, or even our musicians, that'll see a tape and be like, whoa, they're selling a tape? And in my mind, it's like, there's now big indie labels and major labels who are releasing tapes. Like, I'll go to record stores and see, you know, like a Green Day tape and a Blink-182 tape and stuff like that. I think people got frustrated with CDs as a medium. Like, I know so many people who don't own a CD player. The appeal of tapes seems to be more about having a physical object than a love of tapes themselves. A lot of people who buy them don't even have a means of playing them. It's just sort of, they have something physical that they can own with the album art and a download code. So you can throw it on their iPod, never crack that tape, but still have it. Martel's focus right now is releasing cassettes for Edmonton bands, but he hopes to expand the label well beyond just tapes. What I eventually want Double Lunch to become and get better at is... Uh, providing all the services that you would get if you were on a bigger indie label. So right now, 
kind of what I didn't want to be is there's lots of labels out there that will pressure tape for you and put their logo on it. And at the end, they'll get the tapes and give you your copies. And that's it. So I want to work on doing publicity well. I want to work on doing all the mail-outs well. I want to work on grant writing with our band. So if they want to record or press vinyl or tour, I just want to help them out in a way that like Mint Records could or Arts and Crafts or Paper Bag or Stomp, etc., etc. So that was Cham in the background, one of the bands with a tape out on Double Lunch Records. Mar- Martel also has released tapes for Birds Bear Arms, Gary Debussy, and Daydreaming. You can find all his releases at doublelunch.bandcamp.com. Thanks, Stefan. That seems like a real interesting and I guess old school sort of way to spread your music. Edmonton's music scene doesn't just focus on the music and trying to make your act as big, as successful, and commercial as possible, however. Sometimes it's about helping out your neighborhood. Sheldon talked to a local foundation started by Edmonton's hip-hop community. When it comes to music, there's nothing more important than the community, in my opinion. And in the hip-hop community, everybody knows that Jay Northside, founder of the Pay It Forward Foundation, loves to put the two together. I got to sit down with the homie Jay Northside to talk a, a little bit about what Piff does and what's coming up. My real name is John Toner. My artist name is Jay Northside. I'm with the Pay It Forward Foundation. We do lots of different stuff to help people in our community. What are the types of things you guys do for the community? We started off way back in the day by doing Hip Hop for Kids. It's a hip hop event we do for uh, the Solary Children's Hospital to help raise money for the kids. And we started doing other events like collecting clothing for the homeless in the winter, doing sandwiches, water drives, all that kind of stuff. After a few years, I just decided that I want to take it to the next level and try and do more. So then we started the foundation. And now that we got the foundation, like summertime, I'm out there on the block whenever it's hot. We're giving water to people, helping battle the, you know, the heat stroke and stay hydrated in the in the hot weather. We do cooling drives in the summer. We do cooling drives in the winter. Pretty much, we're pretty much accepting cooling donations all the time, and then we distribute them when we can, when they're needed. Tools for school. We started that last year when we started the foundation, where uh, we help kids that need uh, school supplies. Like if they hit up, hit us up on the side, we just ask them for their school list. Take one of the knapsacks, fill it up with everything they need for. Uh, school go deliver to the kids and all we ask for is a picture with the kid that we're giving them a backpack for it to put on the website so everybody can see what we're doing right and i understand that you guys have a fundraiser event coming up yeah this friday march 24th at sneaky pete's we're doing uh the helping hands fundraiser and basically this fundraiser is for the pay it forward foundation to help us get more money to do to do what we do and more we're trying to uh expand what we're doing into a couple different ventures the show is friday march 24th at sneaky pete's we got all kinds of crazy sponsors on this stomp down killers effing apparel 4yu lifestyle gold teeth canada the canadian diamond boys shout out to kicks and clutch they hooked it up like they always do it's the boys the homie sip sponsored us nax also from stomp down killers sent us three beautiful paintings that we got here i just posted the pictures today um king of the dot kotd from toronto sponsored our event the homie adrian loudon um we got a bunch of other stuff a bunch of spa packages all kinds of clothes jewelry we got we got tons of stuff like the artists on the show we got we got prada west from stomp down killers coming all the way out from vancouver to do the show with us we got straight gutter from e-town here um ella fables on the show eagle skid row broski entertainment he's on the show man we got the comedians on the show nick mcquick's on the show chris sadler's on the show marvin's on the show i'm not going to pronounce your last name so i don't want to mess it up they're all coming through we got a spoken word poet everybody's coming through we got mad stuff happening man like this event's lined up crazy if you want to come out it's a minimum of ten dollar donation at the door to get in and come kick it with us man it's going to be an awesome time 
I actually got a couple other uh, special guests that are coming to town this weekend that'll be making appearances at the show. I'm not going to reveal who they are right now, but everybody will be shocked when they see them at the show. You can follow the foundation on Instagram at the Pay It Forward Foundation and make sure you head down to Sneaky Pete's on 118th tonight at 8 o'clock, not only for a fantastic event, but to support a great cause. Are you heading down to that one tonight, Sheldon? I will definitely be there, as it's like a silent auction type deal, so there's lots of goodies up for grabs that you could probably get for a little bit cheaper, like there's some Louis Vuitton type stuff. So All the to, fancy things. Yeah, so I'm hoping to get those a little bit cheaper, so... Yep. We'll see. You got to gotta bling yourself out a little bit. Exactly. Yes, yeah. you can do that at Sneaky Pete's. That seems like such a good sort of like local thing. And it seems like the community is very friendly sort of in the yep. hip hop community there. We're going to talk a lot more about that after the break. That culture of the Edmonton music scene. Don't go away. You're listening to The Feed on NR92. Welcome back to The Feed. Welcome back to The Feed. I'm Owen along with Graham. We've talked about school choir gospel music, and looked at tape labels, a new thing some Edmonton bands are trying out. But let's look at the culture of Edmonton's local music. Why is it so big here compared to Calgary? Yeah, I talked to Emily Ireland, and she's a local music columnist for The Griff, which is Grant McEwen's uh, newspaper. She also attends a lot of shows, and when I say a lot, I mean a lot. Baby, if you want me, then you play your I would say on average, maybe like once or twice a week, sometimes three times, kind of depends on a week where there's a lot of free shows. A couple weeks ago, uh, I was at four in one week, but yeah, it just kind of depends, somewhere between one and four maybe. She goes a lot. Local music is Emily's thing, but how did she get started? Well, I moved to Edmonton in September, so I've lived here for, I guess, almost eight months. One of the things that I noticed when I first moved here was this huge culture in Edmonton for local music and how it was just this really intense pride feeling that was going on. When I moved to Edmonton, I only knew of two or three local bands and uh, had only seen one group before they had come to BC when I was living there, so I didn't really know anyone. And so, yeah, I would say the first show that I ever went to in Edmonton was, yeah, I think it was for the Griff, and then just started meeting people. Um, I found that people were super friendly and wanted to introduce themselves and promote their own shows, and so it just kind of took off from there. A good start. Here's why she stuck around in the local music scene. It's pretty cool. Everyone's pretty tight. You'll notice a lot of times if you go to a show in Edmonton here, you'll see other artists that you'll recognize that just come out to hang out and promote their buddies. The Edmonton music culture is really inclusive. I don't find that it's clicky or really strictly held up by any sort of walls as far as genre goes. Like I find that um, you see quite a bit of crossover and people um, talking with one another and kind of promoting each other and being friends, which is really cool. In my experience, you know, as long as I've lived here, I've seen nothing but people supporting each other and having nothing but good things to say about one another. So I think it's just like a really tight-knit community and it's pretty cool. She's discovered a few favorite bands exploring the local talent. Scenic Route to Alaska. I try to catch them every time they're on in town. They've been traveling a lot in uh, in Germany and stuff like that and all across Canada. Another Edmonton group that I'm pretty into is the Velveteen. Um, and Jesse and the Dandelions. Another really cool band that you can check out. A girl by the name of Marlena Moore.
and a few places she likes to go the best. 9910, which is just below the common on 109th. Another favorite, I would say, the Almanac is pretty cool. It's small, but I find it's really intimate and the sound quality is pretty great for such a small space. Uh, number one is definitely the Needle. Just celebrated a year anniversary, and in the last year, they've just been on this uphill climb of improving with every show. As far as artists go, they're really great. Uh, they treat all of their artists that perform there with a lot of respect and just treat them really well. You know, you can go in and sit down and eat, and on any day of the week, they have live music. So I just think that they're a really sick venue, and they're doing such a good job of promoting local artists. So the Needle is my favorite, for sure. When Emily mentioned The Needle that much, we knew we had to check it out, so we sent Owen there. Yeah, I've been to The Needle quite a few times myself. I've seen uh, Audio Rocketry, Alex Vicia, Mother Mother was probably the biggest show that I've seen there. It's definitely my favorite music bar. I mean, I mean I'm not alone. Emily just said so, too. Uh, so, because of that, that's why I decided to go to The Needle for to ask about uh, <laughs> music from the perspective of the venue. The Needle Vinyl Tavern is one of the newest live music venues in Edmonton after opening just over a year ago. They quickly became one of the best places to see live music in the city, selling out shows on an almost regular basis. Since they are so new but popular, I thought they'd be a great place to ask about running a music venue. I interviewed Rob Pazma, the operations manager of the Needle Vinyl Tavern, about running a music bar in Edmonton, and the first question that came to mind was how do they find all their artists? At the beginning, when we first started, it was very much us going to the bands. Uh, we have uh, like two talent bookers that work for us that that seek out bands. But then there's a lot of there's a lot of people approaching us. A lot of you know emails, voicemails, Facebook messages. A lot of people they're looking for an opportunity to play the needle stage, and we, we do our best to accommodate depending on you know genre and what else we have going on. And we're not in a spot where we're ever you know trying to scrounge up bands between us going out and finding them. And a lot of it is people people approaching us. I also asked if they try to stick to one genre of music or if they change it up a bit. No, no, we're still new enough. We're at a point now where we try everything. Like, the diversity is what makes us great. That we do have, we do have weekends where Thursday might be hip-hop, Friday will be indie, Saturday will be rock, you know, Sunday will be country. Like, we very much um, we're not trying to, to push us one type of music. We want to very much be inclusive to to what people want to hear. Since there's so much variety in the music they bring into the needle, Rob would have experienced a lot more of Edmonton's music scene than most people. I asked what he thought of the local music scene. I personally underestimated the Edmonton music community. But I mean, we do a happy hour show, 5.30 to 6.30 every day, Friday to Saturday, or Friday, uh, Monday to Friday. And like the local talent always amazes me because for the most part, those shows are just, they're local people. And you get people on our stage, you know, four or five days a week, every week, and like they're amazing. But what in like Tuesday nights we have a program called Rising Star, and most of the participants of that night are under the age of 18. That they, you know, it gives them their first kind of foray into performing in a live music venue, and like it's it's amazing what kind of musical talent is out there from people between the, you know, from 12 years old and up. I think that that's the one thing about the needle that I like the most. They pretty much have a band playing every day after 5 o'clock and sometimes even in the middle of the day during lunchtime. I wish I could go there more often. They've actually got a pretty big show happening tonight. The Wheat Pool is playing a show for their five-year anniversary tour. They're another big band from Edmonton that's toured all over North America 
when they were still together. You're actually going to that show tonight, right, Graham? Yeah, I'm headed to the Needle tonight to watch them. The Wheat Pool has a decent following here in Edmonton, but there's one band that has constantly sold the Needle out. They recently headlined the Needle's one-year anniversary, and I've seen them a couple times, and they're coming for a free show right here at Nate. Next Thursday, it's Scenic Route to Alaska. Matt caught up with their frontman, Trevor. Absolutely, boys. I had the incredible opportunity to chat with the lead singer and songwriter of Scenic Route to Alaska. Trevor Mann. I'm the singer and guitarist in Scenic Route to Alaska. Scenic Route to Alaska is a very popular Canadian band. They've started from the ground up here in Edmonton, but are now playing shows all over the world and living the dream. I wanted to know from Trevor, how did they come up in the Edmonton music scene? For us, I guess, we actually started playing, there used to be a venue in Edmonton called Wonder Bar, and it was just this tiny little room that held maybe 80 or 90 people. Uh, it was run by Craig Martell, who's still a promoter around town. He was the one who kind of really got us out of the house and, and got us in front of people and playing our stuff. He, he really believed in what we were doing for the age that we were at. Everybody has their own musical preferences and taste. I wanted to know Trevor's musical influences when he was growing up. It's always changing, which is, I think that's a good thing. You don't ever want to get too stale in, in the stuff that you listen to or that you try to like get knowledge from. But for myself, and I, I know for the other guys too, like I, I grew up looking to kind of a Beatles. <laughs> My grandma, she was, a, she was an old English war bride who came over to Canada in the 50s. And whenever I'd go over to her house as a kid, there would always be a Beatles record spinning on the on the record player and I just kind of I remember that that's just kind of what I thought music was since I've never really spoken to someone who solely writes and plays music for a living I wanted to know what he does when he feels he's in a slump I honestly found like our last record I was having a hard time writing stuff and then I was just like started looking to a lot of old hip-hop and, and and not that the songs that I wrote afterwards weren't like old hip-hop sounding songs at all but there was something in there that just inspired me to like, think about things a little bit differently, and I, I had a new time of writing songs again. It was just like, there's never really a rhyme or a reason. Sometimes certain things just trigger certain parts of your brain that trigger other ideas. Lastly, I had to ask what Trevor's favorite Scenic Route to Alaska song is. There are, there's a small handful that I wrote after uh, after my grandmother passed away, actually, and that was uh, the first time I'd ever written about something that was other that was not a failed relationship or like teenage angst or something. I was actually writing about something with some sentimentality, I guess, if that's even a real word. But so there's one song called "I Know." That's probably probably one of the songs that means the most to me. That or there's a song called "Fall" as well. And they both had to do with my grandmother passing away, but they both have a, quite an optimistic spin on on I guess love and and life and loss. How there's something to be gained in in all of those things. So Scenic Route to Alaska will begin their tour on March 31st. They'll be heading to the east coast of Canada and stopping in Banff for a couple of shows before heading off to Europe. For more details on the whole tour schedule, head to scenicroutetoalaska.com. And just before they leave for their tour, they're doing a free show here at Nate, just like Graham said before. This Thursday, March 30th at 4.30, you can catch Scenic Route to Alaska at The Nest. Do you think you boys are going to be attending? Of course I'm going to go. They're a huge Edmonton band. I know. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen them once before. I definitely need to see them again. Yeah. All right. So, sounds like a plan. Owen's got the beers, okay? <laughs> sounds good. I like it. Funny I joke. like it. <laughs> Funny joke. It's happening. Thank you guys for joining us so much for this week's episode of The Feed. We checked out local music and what makes it hum. If you ever want to see any local shows and where they're playing, heads to bands in N, like the letter, bars.com. They have every show happening in Edmonton online in one place, so you can see who's playing where really easy. 
Since Scenic Route to Alaska is playing their show at Nate next week, we're going to play their new single, Love Keeps, right after the 2 o'clock news. For Graham, I'm Owen. Have a good afternoon. Thanks for listening to The Feed. Hear it again on Sunday nights at 7 and find it online at nr92.com. <laughs>